Michael Vonnen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek, and in this video I am going to be addressing a request from one of my patrons over at Patreon, and in particular this deals with a theory about Tom Bombadil. This comes from PA Brew News, and I'm just going to read the message he sent me to give you a, an idea of what he's getting at. Growing up, I always thought he was a semi-physical semi embodiment of Eru, but thinking about it more and hearing his relation with the elves being named Eldest, combined with his effects that he has to the ring rather than the ring of has effects to him, I have a different opinion. Tom Bombadil does not have a real physical connection with Morgoth's ring because he was possibly born of the discord of the songs the same time the world was formed. He was not from the earth, he was placed there haphazardly, if you will, through the song. So when he was created, maybe Middle-earth wasn't even formed yet, but it was becoming formed at the same time. We really have no idea of his true physical limitations or needs to thrive. He is not directly tied to the earth, unlike most of the incarnate beings that have worn the One Ring. He can manipulate the environment around him, but the environment and elements of the earth which the ring was made with do little to nothing to manipulate him. So, the description here is kind of vague and impressionistic, but that's, I think that's kind of a hallmark of all theories about Tom Bombadil, just because of who he is. Um, so, the theory, if I was to kind of concisely summarize it, seems to be that Tom Bombadil, and this is kind of similar to a lot of, he's kind of an embodiment of the music type things, he is a product of the music, but somehow kind of separate from the creation of the world itself, and in the process of the creation, he gets kind of plopped in it, and it's not, he is not therefore part of the, or not affected by, per se, the discord of Melkor, but on the other hand, he also mentions that he's created in the discord of the music, so I'm not exactly sure what he's getting at. First of all, let's look at the merits of this theory versus, and then we'll look at the what I think are the demerits of the theory. The merits of the theory uh, are the kind of the things that he mentions. The fact that he has seemingly no, uh, you know, in, he's not influenced in any way by the ring or anything around him, and he seems to have control over everything around him as well, at least in terms of the physical universe itself, not so much other beings with wills of their own. And we know that, you know, he wouldn't have complete power over everybody. We get from Gandalf at the uh, Council of Elrond, and I think one other person chimes in, if it really came down to it, Sauron would defeat Tom Bombadil. He wouldn't be able to withstand, you know, Sauron if Sauron had the ring, and it really came down to a fight between the two. There are drafts in the Lord of the Rings, early drafts that get left out eventually of him basically commanding the Ringwraiths to be on their way and not interfere with Frodo. So it does seem that Tolkien pictured Bombadil as having power not just over the nature aspects of his own little realm of the old forest, but even over what we might call less powerful beings than himself. How that would have worked out, whether Tolkien rejected this idea. Tolkien is very famous, if, if you read a lot of his stuff, for not 
keeping, but nevertheless not rejecting certain ideas in his written material. And there, I can't remember all the specific examples of this, but there are places where Christopher Tolkien will note in the history of Middle Earth and other places. This didn't end up in the final draft, but it seems pretty clear that he didn't necessarily reject the idea. So we can't say for sure that Tom Bombadil, if the you know, the story had gone a little bit differently, wouldn't have been able to basically just tell off the ring rates and tell them, you know, scram, get out of here. Whether that extends beyond his own borders is another question. And that's another thing that Gandalf mentions is that, you know, he's kind of set himself some boundaries and that's just where he stays. And outside of that, he doesn't go. And Bombadil mentions this as well. He's like, I don't pass beyond a certain border. So, does his power extend beyond the old forest, really? Not clear. Let's just put it that way. So, this does seem to be kind of in line with what P.A. Brunus is saying in, in terms of the power that Bombadil has over the physical world seems to kind of fit with the idea that he is not really of the world itself, which... That it, that in and of itself is fine. I don't think it proves a whole lot because neither are the Ainur, and they have those same kinds of powers. So, for example, Melian, she is a Maya, and when she goes to Middle-earth and marries Thingol, she, in her own way, comes to have a power over Middle-earth, or at least that part of Middle-earth where she is residing through creating the Girdle of Melian. And so, I don't know that this takes... Bombadil outside the he's just a Maya theory it works with either one is what I'm getting at so it doesn't prove this particular theory but it does work with this theory now the other thing that he mentions here which I think maybe does point a little more toward his own theory than anything else is the fact that the ring has no effect on him seemingly it doesn't turn him invisible which I've talked about this before in a video somewhere, I don't remember which video, but I don't think if, say, Gandalf was to put on the ring, I don't think it would turn him invisible either. He's wearing Narya, and it doesn't turn him invisible, and I think that's because he is already, as he says of Glorfindel later on, in both worlds. He is in He inhabits kind of both the seen and the unseen world. So if Tom Bombadil is a Maya, as is Gandalf, then that wouldn't be shocking. What is interesting, though, is that he seemingly has no desire to keep it or do anything with it or anything like that. Whereas Gandalf, when Frodo basically tries to force it on him, he's like, no, if you give it to me, I am. it will eventually corrupt me and it will be a problem. And he is, he is afraid to keep it for basically any length of time because he, he worries that he's going to be corrupted by it and it will you know, play on his pity as an attempt to get him to use it. Bombadil doesn't seem to have any such fears. Now, it should be noted here that when Bombadil asks Frodo to show him the ring and then he takes it, it's similar to when Gandalf says to Frodo in Bag End, you know, let me see it for a bit, and, you know, he just holds it basically long enough to give it back, ultimately. He's not taking it to keep it. What he's afraid of is taking it to keep it. You could argue that Bombadil here is doing kind of the same thing, 
Bombadil is taking the ring not to keep it, but just to look at it and demonstrate something really quick and then give it back, which of course he does. But the interesting thing about it is he actually puts it on his finger. Gandalf never goes that far. The other interesting thing, of course, is that Bombadil flicks it into the air and then makes it disappear, which is... I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> is he just doing like a conjurer's trick, or is he legitimately making it vanish and, and reappear somewhere else? If he's doing the latter, that is probably a level of power that I don't think Gandalf has. I don't think Gandalf could make the ring truly vanish in a, in a real sense from one place and reappear in another. If it's just a conjurer's trick or something that he's doing to manipulate the perception of the hobbits, you know, that would be something maybe that would fall in line with, you know, a standard Maya that might they might be able to do. But the fact that he puts it on his finger to me, is one of the things that says that something about Bombadil is different than Gandalf. Now, you could argue that this is because Gandalf is truly incarnate in his form as Gandalf the Grey, whereas Bombadil, if he's a Maya, is not. He's just choosing a form as a raiment like the Valar and the Maiar and Valinor do. But I don't know that that would really completely answer the question and I don't know that that would really place you beyond being corrupted by the ring. So I, I'm not convinced by that. The other thing that you could argue, and this is, I think, the best possible argument, and this is what I think is what I always considered kind of to be the most true when I sat down and thought about it, was Bombadil just simply has no interest in power over others. He has no innate desires or anything that would lead him to be corrupted by the ring. The ring is kind of the prime example of power tends to corrupt in this story. But power only tends to corrupt if you have a desire to do something with that power. Pombadil has no such desires. He has literally everything he needs. He has set himself his own boundaries. He is perfectly happy, and I do mean perfectly happy, within those bounds. And so, I don't think the ring would have any sway over him, whatever he is, for the simple reason that he just has no interest in doing anything with it. And, you know, Gandalf, again, in the Council of Elrond, will mention the fact that he wouldn't even understand the need to destroy it. That's how innocent and... Innocent is maybe the wrong word, because I certainly don't mean to imply that he's naive. But he is innocent in the sense that he has no desires to do anything bad to anybody. He is the definition of contentment, almost. He has set himself up in a way that, like, he is happily married to Goldberry, he loves where he lives, and he just has fun all day long. And it's kind of a weird lifestyle, I guess, but it's nevertheless him doing what he wants to do every day for the rest of his immortal or mortal life, whatever it is. So, this is, if you were going to distinguish Gandalf and Bombadil in terms of their ability to be affected by the ring, I would say that Bombadil's lack of effect from the ring has more to do with that than it does to do with much of anything else. This alternative theory by P.A. Brew News, I think, is at least a competitor with that view because it at least gives us something to hang our hat on that is not 
it not at war with the other things we seem to know from the text itself. So, does again, does it prove one way or the other? No, but it does seem at least a viable alternative. So, what are the demerits of the theory? First of all, I think any theory that says that Bombadil was created by the music is initially off to a bad start in the sense that the music creates the world. The world itself is the embodiment of the music. I mean, that's the point. The Anu Lindale is all the Ainu are singing, and then Eru Iluvatar gives being to what they have sung, and that is Arda, or Ea, more broadly. So the idea that Bombadil is like this separate thing that's also created by the music, I don't know that that really works, because the idea that we get from pretty much all the stories as a whole is that, you know, there's the world that exists, which is, you know, the earth, the seas, the air, the stars, or at least some of the stars, Varda makes some of the stars, and then plants and animals and things like that. And then there are the children of Eru who are the, you know, intelligent creatures. And then you have these weird categories of things like ants and eagles, which are also intelligent, but aren't really the children. And so it's like, what? category do they actually fit in but they seem to be kind of what do you what word do i want to use the riffs on the theme by specific ainur so the ints are kind of like yavana's you know riff on whatever the tree theme was to make them sentient so as to kind of work against aule's creation of the dwarves similarly with the eagles those could be Manwe's riff, riff on the theme of birds. And they seem to be intelligent, but nevertheless they're not the children of Eru, men and elves. So then, what exactly does that make Bombadil? Is he somebody's riff on the theme? Or is he his own just unique thing? Did Eru just decide to plop an, an extra thing in there, or... It's just really hard to understand how Bombadil could be a product of the music if the music itself is just about the creation of the world. In what sense does Bombadil fit that pattern? Bombadil, if he is a part of the creation of the world, is very much like the children and very much like the Ainur, and yet apparently completely different in terms of how he's made. And that just seems weird to me. Why would the world be full of all of these different things? And in, in this one little spot in Middle Earth, there's this random admiration called Tom Bombadil. And then the other problem with that, of course, is you have Goldberry, which it's like, why Tom Bombadil and Goldberry? And the fact that Goldberry is called the River Woman's Daughter implies that there is yet another creature out there of similar kind who is also not like, I mean, like, if these three are all, assuming the river woman's daughter is not just a metaphor, you know, is she, is there really a mother out there that she has? You know, not really 100% clear. But the point being, if all three of these are just creations of the, the music that just happen to be in this one little area, are there others out there? Are these totally unique and sui generis? Or it, it's just a... It's hard for me to to put a lot of 
credence in the idea that Bombadil is a creation of the music because it just doesn't seem to fit the general pattern. It's not impossible, but again, I go back to the idea that the embodiment of the music is literally the world. So to say that Bombadil is also somehow created by the music implies that he is just a part of the world, which that doesn't seem right to me. It seems that he is other, and that to me is why he has power over the world. And again, that goes back to what I said about Melian. Melian is also an Ainu, and therefore she has power over the world because she comes from outside of it and into it and had a role in creating it, and therefore she can exercise her power over it. This seems more to me to be a good parallel to what Bombadil is than saying that he is somehow created by the music and yet has power to do things over the other things created by the music. That doesn't seem to be the kind of scheme that Tolkien has set up. Humans and elves don't have the ability to just kind of manipulate the world around them in the way that Bombadil does, or that Melian did. This leads me back to his comments again where he says, Tom Bombadil does not have a real physical connection with Morgoth's ring because he was possibly born of the discord of the songs the same time the world was formed. Here he's saying, if I'm understanding him right, that Morgoth's ring, of course, is the concept that Morgoth put a lot of his own native power into Arda itself in much the same way that Sauron put a lot of his power into the One Ring, and therefore Morgoth could use this power to manipulate the world, and it creates a lot of distortions and bad things in Arda. And so he's saying that Bombadil is not subject to that, but he is born out of the Discord. And I'm not sure what the point of saying that he's not born of the Discord, or that he's, you know, kind of created by the Discord of the music is supposed to serve. I mean, if he's created by the music, he's created by the music before or after the Discord. Why it matters, which is true, I'm not exactly sure what P.A. Brew News is getting at. But to me, if he's created by the Discord, that would make him a less good character. Because the whole point of the Discord is that it creates problems within the created order even before Morgoth gets his hands on Arda and starts doing the Morgoth's ring thing. So, this idea that he would be created by the Discord, let's, let's you know, give it maybe credit and say, before the Discord, he's created by the music. He's part of the music from before the Discord, let's say that, okay? Because I really don't think you can go the other way, because then it just seems like he ought to be, at best, an agent of chaos, at worst you know, has seriously bad tendencies. So, let's say he's created by the music before the Discord, but then he's not part of, you know, the Morgoth's ring because he's not from it. This comes up because in the histories of Middle-earth and in some of the other stuff, we get writings that talk about how elves, even though they may be living in Valinor, they are still made of the stuff of the earth, which is made from the stuff that Morgoth has corrupted, and therefore, even in Valinor, they have these tendencies to go wrong in some way. And this comes up in the statute of Finway and Muriel, where Muriel basically voluntarily gives up her own life 
after giving birth to Feanor and says she doesn't want to come back to the land of living again. And the Valinor, the Valar in Valinor debate this and they're like, well, why is this happening? This is, you know, nobody should be dying here. The elves are supposed to live forever anyway, and nothing is corrupted here in Valinor. And they're like, well, but they're still made of the stuff of the earth, and that is, you know, corrupted by Morgoth. And it comes up in some other contexts too, but the main point here being the the Morgoth's ring aspect is something that corrupts the earth and therefore anything that derives from the earth including the bodies of the children dwarves elves men all of that so i think the point here is that he's trying to say that he's not created from anything that is morgoth's ring but nevertheless is created you know as part of the discord which i don't think that really solves the problem that he's maybe trying to solve with this theory because the Discord itself also introduces a corruptive element into the whole thing. Bombadil does say, of course, in his talk with the Hobbits, that he was there before the Dark Lord came and, you know, brought fear of the Dark with him and all this other stuff. And I think there he is talking about Morgoth, not Sauron. Which implies that he was there before Morgoth entered into Arda. Not Ea, necessarily, but at least Arda. And this is not hard to believe because in the Aina and what follows, we see that Morgoth, he enters into Ea, but it's the other Valar that go and specifically start working on shaping Arda, you know, our world, the Earth, to make it ready for the children when they arrive. And then Morgoth only, after the fact, sees what they're doing and is like, I'm going to mess that up. <laughs> Uh, and then he goes in, tries to mess it up. They fight him off. He leaves for a while, and then he comes back, and he builds a tumno and all this other stuff, and then eventually we get the main history. So Morgoth is not in Arda from the start. There are other Ainur who are in Arda working on it before Morgoth, or Melkor as he is then, comes in and starts doing his thing. So that doesn't take him out of being an Ainu, for sure. He could still be a Maya in that, but... I think what P.A. Brew News is trying to get at here is the idea that, you know, he's there before Morgoth introduces his own power into Arda to further corrupt it. But the Discord is already there, so I don't know, again, exactly what problem he's trying to address by saying he's, you know, before the Morgoth's ring element, but nevertheless created out of the Discord. And I don't know that that would really help a whole lot because, like I said before, if he was created out of the Discord, again, I would tend to think he'd be more of an agent of chaos than a purely happy-go-lucky, I'm just going to help hobbits and whatever. Now, don't get me wrong, Bombadil is seemingly kind of chaotic because on the one hand, he, he does help the hobbits, but on the other hand, he's just kind of like, you know, if things go wrong, oh well. <laughs> if I'm not around to help, that's just kind of your problem. Uh, but, so it's not like he's a a paragon of virtue just going out there to white knight every situation. But nevertheless, he's not introducing chaos into anything. And I think that would be more of the discord element if he was a product of the discord of the music. So I don't know that that works. But again, going back, if we do assume that he was created even before the discord by the music, 
before it became discordant, the fact that he is not built from the stuff of, you know, the corrupted nature of Earth that is corrupted by Morgoth specifically putting his power into it, I don't know that that solves the problem either. And the reason is, there is music which comes before the discord. Nevertheless, none of Arda is perfect as it should have been. It is all Arda marred because the discord affects everything, even though there was stuff sung before there was the discord. So what parts of the music were sung before the discord? Tolkien doesn't give us a, a list and say, well, this, 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 this was all sung before, and therefore it's unaffected by the discord of Melkor. But all of this stuff is, he doesn't do that, but the implication seems to be, to me anyway, that everything is affected by the discord in some way or other. You know, and examples that we do get specifically in the Silmarillion of the Discord are things like excessive heat, excessive cold, you know, things that turn water to steam and, and snow. These have their own beauty, but they also create problems. Excessive cold or excessive heat can kill people. So, you know, they're not unmitigated goods, even though they do cause some good in the world as well. So the beauty of the snowflake is nice, even though the snow can kill you. <laughs> so I don't get the idea from reading the Einolindale, and this is this is an impression. Again, this is not something that you could point to a specific passage and say, see, clearly this is what it means. That's really not possible because he doesn't get in that level of detail. It's myth-making. But the impression I get is that everything is ultimately affected by the discord, so that everything created by the music is in some way, shape, or form discordant itself. I may be wrong about that. P.A. Brew News may be right about that. It's hard to prove one way or the other, because again, Tolkien is not engaging in that level of detailed world-building with the Aino Lindale. He's just not. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just still doesn't feel right to me that this would be the case. And so I think even if Bombadil were created by the music before the Discord was entered entered into it, he would still be affected by the Discord. So, I mean, I guess you could argue, I suppose, that Bombadil's lack of understanding of the significance of the ring and his unwillingness to help and all of that stuff is itself a product of the Discord. It's like it's muddled his brain or something. You could make that argument, I guess. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that that really meshes with at least what I take to me the meaning of the Discord and its effects on the world. So that's an area that you could endlessly debate because, again, it's just so amorphous. We don't get any clear delineation there from Tolkien. But these are the things that I kind of think are the merits and demerits of this theory. At the end of the day, I still fall on the side of Bombadil is a Maya and he entered into the world and just plopped down and married and lived a happy life at some point. And that's just, that's just who he is. Uh, at You know, there there's a certain element of it's better not to theorize as well because we can't help it. At, at some level, all of us really want to know the true answer of what or who Bombadil is. But as I pointed out in an earlier video, much earlier, Bombadil is just Bombadil. 
at the end of the day, that's all we can really say, and I think that's really all that we need to know about him. He's there, and part of the value of him being there is to introduce this element of, wow, okay, <laughs> which is the effect that it has on Sam. What I can't remember the exact phrase he says. He's I think he says he's a caution and a no mistake. And, it, you know, he's right. I mean, it's just a very strange person that, you know, it's like, and he's a caution because it, cautions you that there are very strange things in this world that you might encounter that just blow your mind. And that's the value of Bombadil in the story, ultimately, is the fact that, okay, that was random, and I can't explain it. Which means that there might be other random and unexplainable things that come along later, and I need to be aware of that. So, this is, you know, there's a danger in theorizing too much about Bombadil, but of course, like I said, we can't help it. We all want to do it. <laughs> and it's, you know, P.A. Brew News' theory, I think, is better than your standard, he's just an embodiment of the music, and certainly better than he's an embodiment of Eru Iluvatar. Uh, and so I think it has more merit than those kinds of theories, but I still don't think it does better than just saying he's a Maya who just happily lives with his, you know, river woman's daughter, whatever she is, some kind of a river spirit, uh, and just doesn't care what else goes on in the world. He just, you know, kind of like you could parallel him to Radagast in a way and say that Radagast enters the world to accomplish a mission and to do something. Radagast's mission is to defeat Sauron, or at least help defeat Sauron. It, to the extent that Bombadil had a mission, it was to help shape Arda for, you know, the coming of the children and to do all that sort of thing. But both of them eventually go down the path of, hey, it's just kind of cool here. I'm just going to chill and and enjoy it. <laughs> so they parallel in that way, I think, if you take the Maya theory. If, if Bombadil is one of the Ainur who came into Arda because he loved the creation and, and wanted to see the children, then... To me, that's kind of how that plays out. It's just like he kind of strays from it and just ends up being basically enchanted by the beauty of the stuff around him and, and forgets what he was there for and just decides, you know what, I like it here. Let's just live here. So anyway, those are my thoughts on P.A. Brew News' theory. There's endlessly more you could talk about with Bombadil precisely because there's like no fences on the, the discussion. But if you have any thoughts on this particular theory or especially PA Brew News, if you want to clarify some of the points in what you said to kind of shape it a little bit better, you know, make comments in the comment section below. We can discuss this forever. I'm probably not because I just don't have time to talk about Bombadil endlessly because nobody does. <laughs> uh, but it could be a fun discussion nonetheless. So do that. Like and share it if you enjoy the video. Check the description below for my social links, my alternate platform links, support links. Don't forget on Twitter, I do drop Tolkien-related trivia questions three times a week. And until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namariye. Thanks to all my channel supporters, especially Elf Friends, PA Brew News, and Nathan Dufour.